you better prep your panties because the boys at Comics and Kaijus are back at it again. Episode 15. 14? No, 14. 15. 15. Is it 15? Typo. It is a typo. Uh, episode 15. Rocking it with the boys, Austin Albin and the Double Chin Gaijin. How are you guys doing? Yo, we are vibing. I'm glad to have us back at full strength. It has been a minute since the boys were back in town and we are back at full strength my goodness it feels glorious absolutely greetings earthlings Earthlings. i am your glorious leader my boy is going full heat and i i respect it so fucking much (laughs) he is going i've been i've been doing pretty good man uh lost 22 pounds since beginning of the year doing good Absolutely, That's my man. boy. That is my boy. I am so proud. Bro. Going for another 20. Let's go for another 20. Let's uh, go, dude. Hey, you mom, got it. Mom got her test results back. She f- had a lump on her uh, breast, and it's negative. So we're good with awesome, that. Awesome, man. That is That's good to hear. Amazing to hear. Good. good to hear. Good to hear. Amazing to hear, bro. Austin, how you been doing, man? Hey, we've been doing good, man. We uh been enjoying life, loving life. We uh discovering new things every day. I'm, I'm my Disney vacation's getting ever so closer, so I'm getting ever nice. more anxious each day. So uh, I actually recently uh, started planning it a bit more. You know, I've already got it, you know, booked and all that. We just got to start paying for it. But I am super hyped about that. Uh, other than that, man, you know, work has been a new adventure each day. Getting new responsibilities, meaning getting new. Uh, new things to do. It's been interesting and you know, things are getting good. Jim still hitting Jim, still hitting new PRs. So I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of Cameron and his shit, man. That, that, that hits home as, as a, as a brother, as an ex big boy. I know how that is. When you want to cut that shit, that shit sucks. Yeah. But when you it see sucks. those results, it feels amazing. So, Hey, shout out to you, Cam. I'm proud of you. Absolutely. Thanks, bro. Man. Congrats. Thanks. But Hey Matt, back at you, my man. What's life been? Dude, I've been vibing, all right? So I've been out of work for like a solid week because that winter storm hit. Kind of sucks on the lack of work. But on the bright side, I got to vibe with the boys, you and me, playing some Fortnite, playing some other video games. Just kind of vibing, you know, feeling the way it's going. Hey, we, uh, let's just, like, all we got to say, people, is that you may not like Fortnite, you may hate it, but your boys cracked at it. Oh, my God. Cracked at it, my God. Call us all... (laughs) Call us all Justin, because we be cracked at Fortnite. Cracked. Cracked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, John giving us that greeting. What's up, you delicious, deliciously moist (laughs) moth pussies? John knows what's up. He knows his people. What's up, man? Nice to see you joining us, man. (laughs) Anyway, let's get right into this, man. Invasion of the Astro Monster. I'm going to pass this to Austin. Take it over, man. Man, this is a this is a golden nugget in the Showa era and the Godzilla timeline. And I, I've got to say, out of all of the Godzilla films, uh, Invasion of Astro Monster really set an epitome for the rest of the Showa era films. The the movie beautifully encapsulates the wonderful monster destructions with the joy of alien invasions and alien technology. It, it just it puts the wackiness of the 70s Showa era into full swing, but it does it in such a good way to where finally we have a sequence of where the human side of the Showa era films was not boring. It was usually what we always had in these Showa films was you would always just be waiting for the kaijus to come in to do something to make it fun and entertaining. But in this film, we finally get a taste of the human side of the film being entertaining and being something that's enjoyable to watch, making not only just watching the human side of it entertaining, but it makes the the monster side of it just as entertaining, if not more so. But I do have to try and figure out there's a lot of things that we see different in this film and a lot of things have changed. But 
I'm really not the person to be asking about these deep dives. I'm going to have to pass that to the double chin. Give me some of that history, my guy. Yeah, so this film is a co-production between an American studio, uh, UPA Productions of America and Toho, um, which explains the reason why we have an American lead, Nick Adams. Uh, Nick Adams, uh, he, he brings a certain American chad swagger to this film um he he really livens things up he he has this great relationship with uh akira takarada and according to uh akira takarada they were actually close friends behind like off screen it's not like it was some surface level thing just for the film so it it feels more um it feels real it feels like they have a deep connection I was going to say, I could definitely feel the energy between those two, even though like the barrier between them probably was a bit difficult because of language barriers. It felt like the energy between the two felt very natural. It felt very core as they weren't. It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like these two were acting. It felt more like it was not only a sense of acting because of the characters they were, but also as individual people, they felt very close and felt more natural and organic. Yeah, definitely. Um a couple things to note. So the literal Japanese translation for this film is The Great Monster War. Um, that was the 1965 title. Um, and then it was called Monster Zero when it was released five years later uh, in the United States. Uh, it was called Invasion of the Astro Monster, I think, from home video releases and DVDs. And it's just kind of stuck to that. Uh, if you go look up online there's like at least a couple dozen different titles for this movie um again directed by shira honda back at it again uh at the helm making uh, bangers man again produced by uh tomiyuki tanaka uh we also have akira takarada playing astronaut fuji and nick adams is astronaut glenn does not have a last name it's just glenn <laughs> so <laughs> it's just glenn and <laughs> then we have just, just Glenn. <laughs> just, just Glenn. Just Glenn. And we also have Kumi Mizuno as the beautiful Miss Namikawa. Uh, you will see her a few more times in some later Godzilla films. And I think you will also see her in the, I think, maybe one or two Heisei films and a couple Millennium films. I know she's definitely in a couple Millennium films. Uh, Keiko Sawai. I think I said that right. I probably butchered that. Uh, she plays uh, Fuji's sister, uh, who is engaged with uh, Tetsuo Tori. He's the inventor, who's played by Akira Kubo. Uh, and then you have Yoshio. Whew, this is gonna be a little hard. Come on, you got it. Come on, <laughs> I got this. You got, I got this. this. You got it. You got Channel it. Channel your inner weeb. <laughs> got it. Tsuchiya. Tsuchiya is the controller of Planet X. Okay. And Jun Tsaka or Tsaki is Doctor. Uh, Sakurai. He is the one who's in charge of the World Space Agency in this. Once again, Hiro Nakajima in the suit of Godzilla. Uh, Masaki Shinohara 
is Rodan, and Shoji Hirose is King Ghidorah, reprising his role from the last one. Music is, again, by Akira Fukube, and I think in this one, you I love this because you have a lot of very classic Godzilla songs that come out of this film. Um, yeah. They stick. They stick very well. The the JD, JSDF marches um, during the attacks uh, with Godzilla, Rodan, and Ghidorah. Then you also have Hajime Kuzumi is in control of cinematography. Um, distributed by Toho and Marin Films. Marin Films distributed in the United States. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. There isn't... What's cool about this one is it's not like with a lot of the other Godzilla films when it's released in the United States, they they butcher it and they cut it up into lots of pieces and they cut a whole bunch of stuff out and they re-edit things. And this, there's not a lot of differences. There's only a two, two-minute difference. Um, so, Between the American and the Japanese film? Yes. So you... You pretty much keep everything there. Um, with the American version, you have Nick Adams undubbed. He speaks American while everyone else speaks Japanese. Um, I like that version better because I think Nick Adams just brings a certain he just brings a certain charm to this film, and he, it doesn't. I I watched the Japanese dub where the Japanese all speak you know, their native language and yeah. they dub over Nick Adams and it, it just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't work. Um, that's all up to, you know, personal preference. There's no and real personal difference. interpretation comes in. At yeah. That point. There's, there's no real difference between the two films, but Nick besides. Adams really does bring a certain charm to this film that, like you said, you even told me that prior to us watching this. Now, I've seen this film prior, but this was when I was younger. I haven't seen this film in recent time. And then, you know, you were saying about Nick Adams bringing a charm to the film. I was thinking, you know, oh, it's just a little I was thinking almost of uh, I'm skipping names. Old boy from Godzilla King of the Monsters, like the OG King of the Monsters American redub. Oh, Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr. I was that's who I was thinking of of like a maybe a Raymond Burr esque style charm, but this was a different level of charm. Raymond Burr brought a brought a very very serious tone to the film. This Nick Adams brought way more of like a New York kind of Bronx style, you know, American grit to it. That yeah, American was a little toughness. more. Exactly. That's like like the scene we were talking about where they got out of the prison. It's mm-hmm. like everyone else, you know, they're like using the little sound wave to go over there. And then Nick Adams is gonna beat the shit out of the alien yeah. instead of like using <laughs> the sound thing to quiet him down. He beats the shit out of him. And it's like, yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty American. <laughs> and he, he also is the one who uh, he he has a relationship with Miss Namikawa in this and he like woos her over and she turns out to be an alien. Uh, one of the exilians mm-hmm. and he basically turns her over, you know, bringing sympathy, you know, and she doesn't want to take over the world. She wants to fall in love. What the fuck? She wants to fall in love with, uh, <laughs> sorry, but the aliens are contacting him. They're coming back. <laughs> um, yeah. She basically falls in love with Nick Adams or Glenn. And wants them to be married and doesn't want uh, Glenn to fight back and just let it happen, you know, so that they can be together. But uh, Glenn doesn't want any part of that. And he wants Earth to be free. And he doesn't like the idea of being ruled by someone. True American freedom right there, boys. Fuck yeah. True American fucking freedom. 
I uh, I've definitely got to say that this film, as far as like down the line of the Showa era, like we've definitely evolved quite a bit from what we've seen in the original terminology of the Showa films. We go from seeing the Showa films in more of a wacky, goofy sense. We go from Godzilla, you know, the original Gojira in 54 being a very serious tone film. It is not meant to be played in, in any sort of sense of a laugh or a mm-hmm. joke. It is a very serious film that takes itself in a very serious light. Then we go from that to Raids Again to getting a monster fighting film. Then we go to Mothra, where it's still got a very big, serious tone to it. We mm. get to Godzilla versus Kong, my boys, and they have their fight. And it seems like a little bit more – it's starting to get a little bit more laxadacious. At that point, you're starting to see the laxadaciousness coming and a little more you know, goofiness to the situation. Not so much to where it takes away from the importance of the film, but it does add that little injection of the future of the Showa series to come. Then we jump over to Godzilla. What 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 did we watch after King Kong versus Zilla? Destroy that was a what, no, not destroy all monsters. Uh, it was um, it was uh, not invasion national monster. It was it was uh, uh, Ghidorah. It was Ghidorah, Ghidorah the three headed monster. monster. Yeah, Ghidorah the three headed monster. That's where we start to see Godzilla. Like me and you said, that's where Godzilla's transition from like the good guy to the anti hero starts to really get shown. That starts yeah, becoming this- more predominant. This is the film, I guess you could kind of count it as a transition film if you wanted to, but this, I believe, is where Godzilla has become, you know, protector of the Earth at this yeah. point. Um, and it only just kind of, like, falls down from there. It either falls down, depending on how you are, or it goes up. Um, and I believe they should have kept the serious role um, yeah, for Godzilla. But... We got some cool films out of it. Um, next film after this is Ever a Horror of the Deep. Uh, he's he's still I like wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. Still... It's such a shit film, but I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Godzilla that... fights a fucking lobster. It's yeah, so in, hype. <laughs> in in the next one, he he's it's weird. He's kind of a good guy, but like people are still afraid of him. What's um fucking lizard i'd be afraid of that too well, i feel like he was just describing his own tinder profile there he's kind of a good guy but everybody's afraid of him <laughs> another cool thing to note about this film is this this is the first uh godzilla film to introduce the whole aliens using mind-controlled monsters to take over the earth plot which we will not see be, not the last time either we will see this quite a few more times uh <laughs> later on in the show series um also a couple things to note uh new godzilla suit i like it um it's the daisenso goji suit which is the name that a lot of godzilla fans gave to this version um you will see this one later on in ever a horror of the deep and then you will see it a lot more in later godzilla films for water scenes um I don't know why they would use that one specifically. Why not use the new suits that they use in those other films? Um, also, Ghidorah's necks were extended for this one, mm-hmm. just to add a little bit more movement. Um, it's not really noticeable, but it, I think it brings a little bit more life to the heads. Um, I gotta say that this Goji suit, in all honesty, it's honestly probably one of the more like core designs for Godzilla. A lot of the other designs we see here moving forward and especially in the Showa era branch from this you can see a lot of the similarities 
from this Goji design comparison to the others. Because mm-hmm. if you look from like Godzilla, the original Gojira, all the way to like Godzilla versus Kong, that those suits are pretty drastically different. And then we get mm-hmm. to this one, uh, this Goji, and in all honesty, looking forward and moving forward, these suits kind of all seem to same carry the same body style characteristic, but the face is changed. And yeah. we, I'm pretty sure we see this Goji suit again in Ebra, correct? Yes, this is this will also be the primary suit in Ebra or the Deep. Yeah, that's what I figure because I remember that the one in Ebra, it's a, it's a bit scuffed looking at that point. It 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 was a little little beat up. Yeah, it's a little beat up. It's, yes, the primary suits that I know from the show series are the very first one. That's a given. Um, the King Goji suit. I don't really count. I don't really like that one. I kind no of one counts that. raids again. Uh, no one counts that. <laughs> the King Goji suit. Uh, then you have the Masu Goji suit, uh, which it's, it's it's modified in Ghidorah Three Headed Monster, but it's still the base design of from Mothra versus Godzilla. And then you have this version, and then you have. The destroy all monsters suit, which will be in that Godzilla versus Hedera, Godzilla versus Gigan, and then you also have the suit from Godzilla versus Megalon all the way to Terra Mecha Godzilla. Those are like the core Showa era suits that I'm sure most people know, remember. And that's a good lineage of suits. In all honesty, yeah. they they're classics that are easily recognizable. And you honestly, especially someone like me who has seen all the films. I you can tell me which one of these suits where they are like you can show me a picture I can immediately correlate what movie they're from and then you have the the son of Godzilla suit which is a disgusting looking suit which we'll get to uh, later (laughs) I'm not I'm not ready to review that film because like (laughs) it's a nice film it's a that was one of my yeah the film it's either one of the best or it's one of the worst i kind of i like it i like it look it's it's a nice film it is a nice film and i'm saying (laughs) that politely because it is a nice film that's your you love it and now now get prepared because austin's about to say you're fucking wrong look look, (laughs) now now, now, look homie now look i'm not gonna gatekeep you if you want to love that you can love that i am all for it you love that and i respect you for it but that Godzilla suit is straight donkey shit. I'm sorry. It looks it is. It looks so bad. That <laughs> he looks like a frog. Like he looks like a super scuffed frog. And I'm sorry. To me, that's not Godzilla. That's like some weird bastard child of Godzilla. But the show, the movie itself, Son of Godzilla, is a wonderful message. It is a wonderful film. That if you watch it, it has a lot of meaning and the ending is very poetic and beautiful. So mm-hmm. I give it its credit where credit's due. But Godzilla looks like ass in that film. So I am yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, also, Mothra. Where the fuck is yeah. she? <laughs> she, uh, she is completely glossed over in this film as this is a direct sequel from the even film the, prior. The, the Zillion controller, he even completely like fucking just overlooks that fact he's like yeah Ghidorah was driven away from earth by godzilla and uh rodan and i'm like let's just use them it's not like mothra helped at all but like okay no let's be Uh, real mothra got mike wazowski'd hard in this film (laughs) mothra got mike wazowski'd hard i believe the reason why mothra was not in this is for budgetary restraints 
Um, oh yeah, which that's that's pretty blatant. I mean, yeah, and then to be honest, the Mothra larva suit was looking kind of looking super scuffed, super scuffed. Um, also, I have some tea, some tea for you guys. You got some uh, tea. Yes, um, I'm pretty sure you guys know this already, but Kumi Mizuno and Nick Adams had an off-screen affair, apparently. I mean, bring it up every time we've talked about this movie leading up to this episode, but, you know. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, hey, I'm still excited. <laughs> this man's like, this man's like, but they fucked. But they fucked, though. They fucked, though. Yeah, Nick Adams, he... <laughs> He stayed in Japan for quite a while after this film was completed. Um, so Kumi Mizuno denies that they ever had an affair or any sort of relationship, but she did admit that she was attracted to him and that he was attracted that's to her. Um, that's that's also... No, but I would. <laughs> yeah, I would, though. <laughs> also... Uh, Maybe this is also the reason why Nick Adams and his wife got a divorce. Ooh. Um, it was probably because of this. <laughs> this is all funny. Yeah, they got in a divorce. Why you got to bring the mood down? I'm yeah. sorry, man. Why you got to just bring reality into it? Let us have not, a meme for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's a burden to hold all the facts of these movies. Isn't yeah. that right, Double Chin? <laughs> Double Chin over here acting like fucking Thanos here. It's, it's like, also... <laughs> It's a shame. He kind of. Hardest decisions require the strongest will. He was supposedly addicted to drugs, and he, he passed away. I'm also bringing it down a lot deeper. He passed away. Um, We're not time. laughing at the fact he died. We're laughing at a Thanos. Oh. Me for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> We're saying everybody's like, I've lost more than you will ever know. Cameron's down here, all like, he passed away due to complications. We're not like, balanced in every way. Thanos, laughing. Cameron's down there reading an obituary. Like, fuck. It's just poor timing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to depressing news. Double chin guy. Yeah, <laughs> he passed away three years after this movie was uh, made or released, yep. which is a shame. Um, he passed. I'm pretty sure it was due to a drug overdose. Damn. Um, which uh, fucking sucks. Yo, TJ. Yo, TJ. Oh. What's up, homie? TJ checking out our episode. Let's go. It's a Hell yeah. So far, my guy. I, I got to say that, like, uh, another thing that I really pointed out that I enjoyed about the film, they really, like, upped the ante with, like, the lightning effects. Uh, usually, like, with Ghidorah's lightning, uh, especially in the film prior, Ghidorah would just shoot lightning, it would run a strand, and then they it was like they just had black cats on, like, you know, black cat fireworks in a string and a line, and they just lit it, and it just, and it blew up. In this film, it really felt like every time he like any lightning or laser attack was used, even from like the aliens all the way to Ghidorah himself, the lightning was just it felt way more impactful. It felt way more of like a like, you know, a way more of a burst was happening mm -hmm. instead of it just kind of feeling like a firecracker going off. Like, especially I was really impressed with like the aliens when they were like doing the outline for things like when they when yeah. they carved uh Rodan out of the mountain 
that was really dope. Like the like they yeah. blew that up mm-hmm. in a certain like a certain you know symmetry to where they would pull him out easily, and it was totally cool to see them like do the laser beam to like and then it would blow up and then Rodan perfectly fit no, out. It, it like, was, was really, really cool effects. Like I was not expecting this from a movie that came out in '65. Like oh, the laser shit. effects were straight up. Also, we got a few comments. TJ Cameron's getting sliding comments. in a bit of a spoiler though, real quick. Next episode, Pacific Rim Uprising and G.I. Joe, Real American Heo, featuring the one, the only, TJ Bowser joining our asses. And He's got to come join the G.I. Joe shit, my guy. He's got to, bro. Are you kidding me? And miss a Snake Eye special? <sighs> and then we got that. And then what we got is over your eyes, out, my guy? What is it? Dude, what is it, man? Like, you got what that Star is Trek Ex- thing going on? Like, what's going Explain on, bro? Explain the drip, so, my guy. Explain the drip. Because we got one of the M&M up here. We got Trekkie and we got Top Gun. What the fuck is going on with you? So for (laughs) those who have not seen the movie. That's an awfully um, hot coffee pot. (laughs) pot. (laughs) So for for those who have not seen the movie, the design for the Exilians is so bizarre, but it's so cool. They have these really weird visors that they wear over their eyes, these thin visors like this that they wear over their eyes. And then they have a black hood with like an antenna sticking out. And they wear these like latex gray and black suits and these elf shoes that are curled. It's really weird, but it's a very memorable look. It's a drip you wouldn't understand. You wouldn't understand because it's not fashionable yet. Respect the drip, Karen. (laughs) Respect the drip, Karen. I uh, this film definitely had a lot of interesting ups and downs with it. It had a lot of interesting design choices. It had some really awesome effects. You know, Cameron yeah, told explained to everybody, you know, here about the suits and the changes they've made. And, you know, the film in 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 of itself did a fairly good job. Box office wise, it did good. It made its money back easily. I, I do have mm-hmm. one complaint though. As, what is as that? you guys as you guys pointed out while we were in the watch party. Uh, instead of creating new scenes in certain areas where there could have been like a lot of extra like destructions and fighting and whatnot, they were using scenes already showed in previous movies. And I yeah. feel like, in my opinion, in my opinion, that was just that was a smidge lazy. It, but yeah. you have to be you have to be like a keen eyed like Godzilla nerd to like yeah. catch that it's if you're watching it for your first time you're not going to notice it if you haven't seen the other movies you won't notice it yeah yeah but, you won't notice you know, it but this, this is very this... cleanly meshed in but mm-hmm. I still I still just kind of feel like they could have done new destruction scenes for mm-hmm. you you re- we recently saw Rodan as in within the past six months so for you yeah. that's still kind of fresh on the brain True. So for you to be able to point that out yourself without us saying anything shows that it is noticeable for someone who had seen it recently. But mm-hmm. these films came out years apart. And like I said, that that's one of my only complaints about this movie, other mm-hmm. than the fact that it was a, it was a little heavy on the human drama. I wanted to see Monster go burr and fight, but it, it was enough. a little heavy on the human drama. Don't get me wrong. The human drama was very enticing. It was very cool. Uh, it was a brave new concept compared to what we've seen in the past, where it's a lot of fighting with a little bit of politics in the background. Mm-hmm. This one was full blown like Earth is getting invaded, plus there's monsters fighting. But quick reminder, Earth is getting invaded, you know? Yeah. And, like, and, hey, like it's not just monsters. There's yeah. way more at stake. And, and it so, was nice. But at the same time, I wish there's a little more monster fighting scenes. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I do think it's worth it in the end where you have all these really cool destruction scenes and then 
the humans break the mind control over the monsters and then they start fighting, it pays off in the end, in my opinion. Um, For some people, it can be quite slow. Um, But I think with the added human drama and the good character development between Mm -hmm. all of them and their relationship with each other, I think it helps, you know, keep you hooked into the story and the film. It's not like you're like, oh, fuck, when when is Godzilla coming? You know, you're like, wow, this is pretty intense. It, it is cool. very it is very great filler. Don't get me wrong. Like, if, yeah, if you're not... a very passionate, like, Kaiju Universe fan and you're, like, big into these movies and stuff, you'll love, like, the kind of lore that's established with, you know, Planet X and everything else going on. You're welcome, Austin. Too. <laughs> I hate but you. if if you just want to watch this movie for monster fights and monster fights only, check out one of the other movies. But this one is great for establishing lore. It has really nice fight scenes between Ghidorah, Rodan, and of course Godzilla at the very end, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we should also talk about why uh, they're invading Earth. It's not like, well, fuck that planet. <laughs> it's basically. Humans discover uh, that Jupiter has a new planet. They call it Planet X, but it's it's a moon. It's one of Jupiter's moons. And it's kind of a really funny way how they're, they're like, why haven't we discovered this planet earlier? And they're like, oh, well. It's dark, yo. <laughs> planet X is really dark. And I'm like, really? That's the excuse you're going to give? shit's dark yo we can't see shit they explain that they can't see it with the telescopes but they found it using electromagnetic waves um Mm -hmm. so i'm like whatever fine and it's weird because this is like an alternate version of like 1965 where uh we're so advanced in terms of space technology that we can just like send two dudes all the way to fucking jupiter you know in a single like engine rocket and just like ah fuck it whatever fuck it do it um, live. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> overlooking that, they get to uh, Planet X and they discover an advanced race of aliens called the Exilians. And they explain that they're always under attack by Ghidorah, who they've nicknamed Monster Zero. They name everything there using numbers. Uh, and they explain that they also are, that water is more valuable than gold. And Glenn and uh, Fuji, they find out that they are running out. They have completely ran out of water on their planet and they have to extract it like hydrogen from the air. So they plan to take Godzilla and Rodan, borrow them to defeat Ghidorah. And then in return, they give humanity in the Japanese version. It's the cure for cancer. In the American version, it's the cure for all known diseases. Uh, I I like the American version. I think it's a bit more of a what's the word I'm looking for? It's more of a groundbreaking feat. Um, and they leave Godzilla and Rodan there because they're like, "Oh, we'll take them off your hands so they don't cause you any more shit in the future." <clears throat> Little did they know that they were going to take them and use them for mind control, and they want to enslave Earth and use up all their resources and if they don't they unleash monster zero godzilla and rodan onto earth and destroy everyone and that's the basic plot yeah it's a it's a good plot rundown and honestly it's a good plot and it it 
it has a lot of deception, which I really enjoyed. It, the film was way more. I was I was happy to see that when this like watching this film again now that I am a bit on the older side since the last time I saw it, I'm able to really dissect the plot a little bit more. If you really look at it, the the plot really does have a it has a good twist of the zillions betrayal. And you think like, you know, this, all this is too good to be true. It kind of puts you on your toes a little bit. You don't really know what to think. And that's what makes it, 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 that's what makes the human side so interesting that we're finally kind of getting a human plot side that makes it a bit more interesting to watch instead of just wanting monsters all the time. We're seeing more twists, more turns, more explosions and excitement from the human side of it. And you'll see, further in the Showa era that the human side starts becoming more prevalent because it starts becoming more entertaining as the films go forward. But that's also, you know, with time, the films obviously got better, but there are also some where they started to cheap out and the human side of stuff was not enough to compensate for the lack of money spent on the Kaiju portion of the film. Mm -hmm. But, uh, the film made its money back. It did a good job at box office locally and internationally. They made uh, looks to be, I think seven hundred thousand dollars more. Yeah, than, I think so. Which is pretty good. I mean, for the time, that's pretty freaking good. Yeah, um, it's very not, much it's, so. It's not groundbreaking. Um, they wanted it to do better. They they expected it to do better, which it didn't. Um, and this is when you start to see the drop in quality. <laughs> Yeah, after this, this, after this, it dropped. <laughs> this this is honestly a pretty pivotal point in the Godzilla show era, because this was kind of like their last real like pump of life into the series before the films started to really decline. And they have they suddenly started to lose these funds. And with the lack of these of this money getting brought in, they were starting to lose funds left and right. So they were having to recycle, they were having to reuse, mm-hmm. and they were having to use footage from other films in order to make these films go forward. So it's yeah. like, we want to keep the Godzilla spirit alive. We want to keep the films going and we want to keep the action going, but they, they didn't have the funds to make the same sort of action they did back in the early days when they were easily making their money back. Mm-hmm. And if I'm correct, I could be wrong. Um, I believe this is uh, Shiro Honda's last film um, as director. Uh, I think he does. He's a a producer. Um, He's still there for the later Godzilla films, but he I think this is the last one he directs for a while. And I I think he comes back for Destroy All Monsters. Um, I'm not too sure about the technicals of that, but I do know that Son of Godzilla was directed by another guy, and I believe Eberhor the Deep is by another person as well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, quick shout out to Freddy. Gotta love the classics. I agree. And that, that yeah. I see you. I see Hell you, yeah. cuz. Thanks for joining me, cuz. Hope you're enjoying the show, my man. It's uh I gotta I gotta say this film is fun. I, I can't it's I can't deny fun. that it's a fun film. Um, I think it's about time for to give it the kaiju stamp of approval. Let's get ourselves on the round table here. I Godzilla eggs. What you guys think of this? One to ten. Godzilla eggs. Take it away. This film, in my mind, is Showa era one hundred and one. It has a 
out of this world human side that's really trippy and different, but it's engaging and it really makes you want to know more about it. The kaiju action. Good. It's solid. There's nothing wrong with it. It's good action. The stock, the, the, the Rodan stock footage getting reshown to the trained eye is a bit of a bop on the nose and makes you really lose a bit of, you know, it can knock a mark down. The destruction Ooh. has been improved with the laser effects, the lightning effects, the overall kaiju wrestling has gotten a bit more advanced and a, a bit better. Now, I will say, because we watched the Criterion Remaster, fuck me, Criterion Remastered it too well. And oh, they made sure. it to where you can literally see every string on everything, which is, you know, it's to be, you know what it is. It, but it back in the immersion. It breaks immersion. It does. But back in the VH days, you never saw that. So mm -hmm. it was just like, you know, oh, well, this is what you get for getting better quality. You're going to see them. You're going to see the things they worked so hard to hide. So for me, the film ticks a lot of boxes. It doesn't really tick very many negative boxes, but I can definitely say watching this again, I am going to deduct some points off because of the stock reuse footage. I will deduct some points because I did feel like the human side of it, like Matt said, it did dredge a little longer than what I would have anticipated, what I personally prefer. I prefer a good balance between the two. I think Mecha Godzilla is where they found that stride. I don't feel like it was found here. I feel like this was a testing ground to in, you know, really engage on more of a human side instead of having just humans then boom, kaiju humans, then boom, kaiju, and then things changed. This was a way to give the kaiju film formula a bit of a shakeup. I think it was a good first run. It was a good test. And out of 10, I'm going to give it a solid eight. It, it is Showa 101 gold that if you want to show anybody what is the Godzilla Showa era about, you can pick a lot of films. But if you pick this one, this one is the perfect encapsulation of the later version, Godzilla's savior of the earth and the earlier version, seriousness of the human side of things. It's a good blend of the two that you mash them together, shake them up and you throw it out and you get invasion of Astro Monster. So eight mm -hmm. out of ten for me. Double chin, Guy Jin. What is so, your blessing? Um, well, I think the effects, special effects are phenomenal in this. Um they're not like groundbreaking they still you know don't hold the test of time uh but it, it's just enough cheese just enough just cheese enough cheddar just, just enough just enough cheddar um i think the alien invasion plot worked very well with this and it's it the other films that try to reproduce this plot it shows that they struck gold on this one and it doesn't work for any other times. Um, I like the aliens. I like their design. I like Nick Adams. I like uh, Akira Takarada. I love their friendship. I like how real it feels. Um, I believe, like you said, Austin, this is like, if I were to show any Godzilla from, film from the show era, this would be it. Um, it's my top five one of my top five favorite godzilla films of all time um i'm gonna give it a solid nine out of ten that's a that's very high praise mm -hmm. I, i'm gonna knock this one down all right it it was interesting the like i said the editing was very well done uh 
the meshing between the old footage, it was nice in there. Like it, it felt smooth. It wasn't rough edited in there. But at the same time, I do feel like it was just plain lazy on their part to reuse old footage that worked instead of making mm-hmm. new footage for a movie that was supposed to be so groundbreaking that it was, as Austin said, shaking up the entire formula for the kaiju movie theme. You know, you, you're introducing more human drama, which means you should be able to create new monster fight scenes because you're creating so much new human drama. You should It shouldn't be out of the picture. It's not like you were half-assing the human drama part. Why would you half-ass the monster destruction part? And, you know, as Austin was saying in the Double Chin Gaijin, these special effects, I felt were nice. I liked the lasers. I liked just the effects of like the electricity. It felt good, especially looking at this as a movie that came out in 1965. I felt this movie had a lot of really solid points. The friendship, the special effects, the editing. But it just felt lackluster. There wasn't a lot of monster fighting. There was a little bit of destruction. And there's a lot of reused footage. And for that, I'm hitting it hard with a four. Wow. I'm okay. hitting it hard. Hey, I, I respect just, it. I, respect I really it. don't like I I wasn't really a huge fan of this one. I like Ghidorah. We can't I be love, friends. I love that they brought Ghidorah <laughs> back. All right. I loved that they brought Ghidorah back. But man, they gave Godzilla a new suit. Yeah. Okay. If you're giving him a new suit, why not do new footage? Why not show off the new suit? That, I mean, if he's given this a four, if, to be honest, if he's given this a four out of ten right now, he, he, God, God forbid when we <laughs> get to Godzilla's revenge. I'm just saying. Oh. I'm just saying. If they're gonna go lazy oh, and redo no. it, I'm gonna hit them hard. All right. Wait till you see Ambera. <laughs> Godzilla goes up against a lobster. A lobster for God's sake! A lobster. <laughs> Wait till you get to Godzilla versus Gigan. That's a I re- shit. I respect your guys' opinion. <laughs> I respect your guys' opinions on this, but I still think you're hitting that with the nostalgia visor on. All right, I when can't. you look at this compared to the movie, he's that we literally had wearing watched, them. I know he's literally <laughs> wearing them. He is literally wearing them. But when you look at it from somebody who's fresh into the kaiju thing, <laughs> just getting deep into the kaiju universe, which by the way, I'm fucking loving, and you get this, man, I'd rather watch Reptilicus. <laughs> just about killed him. Just about killed him. I'm done. I would rather guy. watch. I'm gonna go, I gotta go take a dog. I'll be back. Oh, oh my goodness, I'm man! Just, is, I'm writing. Dude, Jay is grinding him up. Look, are you, you guys want my honest serious? You guys wanted my honest opinion on this movie. Hey. Okay. It was good on establishing lore and changing up the formula and doing the special effects, but why'd they have to be lazy? Dude, <laughs> double chin, you gotta let him go. He, we do not gatekeep in this house. We do I'm not gatekeep. Motherfucker. You are not gatekeeping in this house, young man. You quit that shit. <laughs> hey, I respect that opinion. I Look, it is not mine. It is a nice turn of events instead of us just, you know, getting over each one of these. That's fine. I'm just saying that's fine. It's rough. Hey, that's fine. I'm not going to lie. If they wouldn't have done such a good job editing, the new suit looked great and the special effects were great. It'd be like a two or a one. Yeah. What's carrying it, Cameron, is the special (laughs) effects and the editing. (laughs) 
Swoo. And the, the semi decent storytelling. The amount of bullshit. <laughs> oh I'm my hearing. god. <laughs> Camera's definitely the gatekeeper. I'm the key master all day. Yeah, he's a he's a. <laughs> I would say no. He he's like a power gate. He, he I at least give him the chance of being a power gatekeeper. Other than Listen, that, all right. I'm so I feel like I feel like I broke Cameron, and I've been he cutting did. him off. I've been cutting him off to finish my point. So I'm gonna let Cameron say what he's got to say. Okay, and keep this civil. And if he gatekeeps and gets two out of line, I'm just gonna be like, all right, guys, next segment. Okay, <laughs> listen. No. Keep it civil. Keep your rebuttal short. We still have a comic. I know yeah, you could yeah, go yeah, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Listen here, you brony. All right. Channeling is Nick Adams here. <laughs> listen here, you gabagoo. Listen here, pansy. So, let's just say I'm guessing our reviews for these films right now are not set in stone. They can change, you know. Um, I guarantee you they're going to change once we get into these shittier films. And you'll be like, wow, you know, Invasion of the Astral Monster wasn't actually that bad. That wasn't that bad shit. (laughs) Um, Well, I'll tell you what. On those later episodes, if my opinion of this pile of shit changes, I will let you know. Oh, man. You're going a little hard now, man. <laughs> you see, you're having to unleash my ultimate form. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I only called it a pile of shit to see Cameron's reaction. It was a decent movie. Again, four out of ten on it. It was decent. It was just lazy. Gotta respect I mean, a different get... opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to like respect the difference in opinion. Um I don't really gatekeep in terms of the Godzilla film. Right after gatekeeping. <laughs> yes, sir. I don't really gatekeep. <laughs> yeah, I ain't going to be gatekeeping, but I'm not going to be gatekeeping. <laughs> I'm not going to gatekeep, but gate, gate. But <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> give There's your quick rebuttal. Things. You deserve to give the quick rebuttal. Give it. Yeah. Get it, bro. You know, it. it's. It's your opinion, you know. I'm not going to be like you're fucking wrong, but you're wrong. But um, you know, my opinion to you stays the same. Also, you're fucking yeah. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, once we get through these other shitty films, um, I'm sure things will change. Um, it my got favorite Godzilla films bounce around all the time. Um, it's never going to be like a set and stunt thing. Um. Or maybe it will. Who knows? Uh, But if I'm bringing someone who with the whole new MonsterVerse that's happening and they're like, hey, I want to get into the classics. I want to get into see. I want to know what this is all about. You know, I would say start from the first one and go from there. If you like sci fi, go to this one. If you want a little bit of good a human interaction, I would also say this one as well. Um, if you like lasers and you like beam attacks and you like a little bit something with a little bit more edge, I would say go with the Heisei trilogy or the Heisei uh, series. I'm thinking camera. Um, <laughs> if you want something a bit more modern, go with the Millennium. If you want something more political, the original and Shin Gojira. Uh, if you want something with a little bit of like an island twist, Ebra and Son of Godzilla. 
yeah. <laughs> um, that's stupid ass. There's very few things. There, I'm not gonna be like, well, you, you're fucking wrong with that opinion. There's, it's, you know, he keeps going yeah. back to that, so I feel like he's really thinking that. <laughs> oh shit, Cam! Oh shit! Oh shit! Matt Shoe coming out here saying, "I don't know shit about monsters. I'm here to see that." Just look at Cameron's handsome face. Oh fuck! I'm Cam. telling you, I'm telling you, him with that visor has got me acting funny. It's got me acting a bit weird. It's got me acting a bit weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll respect that opinion. Uh, I've never heard anyone give this movie that low of a rating before, so it's kind of a shock. Hey. Um, yeah. Hey, we respect all the opinions yeah. here. They're different. They, we have people who love them. We have people who hate them. We have some people with nostalgia goggles. Some people who don't. Just like we literally do. Sorry, so, literally. but I guarantee, yeah, <laughs> I guarantee you, your opinion is going to fucking change hard and fast once Godzilla's Revenge comes up. You're going to be like, "What the fuck are we watching?" Change you hard, but. you know. I that I get to finish that. <laughs> that's reasonable. But on to our little commercial break, Austin. Didn't you get something new? I did, I did, I did, I did, I did. From a certain I gotta give a quick shout out, a quick shout out to the boys over at Symbiote Collectibles. Our boy Cameron hooking me up with some goodies from them. They are honestly your one-stop shop for cards, comics, collectibles, and anything under the sun nerdy that you may be looking for. Absolutely. And, and what boy, specifically did you get? Oh my so god, I struck gold. I struck gold. You struck gold. I struck an original Django Fett looking all sorts of yummy in his boxeroni. It's still sealed, looking pretty, looking juicy. Let me kind of dim some of the shading here. Let me tell you, I am jealous. I mean, look at this thing, dude. Look, the box is like the craziest portion. He's got all these different accessories, different sorts of stuff that you can get on his, like all on his different like jetpacks, articulations. Then you can do this little number here on this side change it here get all that good stuff like holy shit i can't even hold the box with how much stuff this thing has it's actually incredible like look at that that's insane it looks absolutely amazing and where did you get that at again once again got it from symbiote collectibles right here they're on facebook and every other source of social media hit them up guys if you're wanting something nice something collectible cards comics or anything old and retro you're looking for Shoot them a shoot, shoot your shot. Give them a DM. Drop them. See what they have. Yeah, drop hey, by. If, they're down. They're down here in Reading, Pennsylvania. Yup. They it, trust me. I did not think I would find something like this anywhere. I this was. I get a text from Cameron at like two o'clock on Saturday. Be like, aren't you still looking for Boba Fett shit? And I'm like, yeah. He sends me this, a picture of this, and I'm like, no way. How much is that? It's got to be like a hundred something. Bu- it got to be like a hundred something bucks. 50 bucks, 50 bucks for gold, people, 50 bucks for gold. And they wanted to got me a little sticker, got me a little sticker and a little pin to rep mm-hmm. them. Trust okay, me. But, but my only complaint with this is why weren't you wearing the pin in your M&M hat, bro? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and while he's changing it, of course, ladies and gentlemen, Check out projectlouder.net. Give all of our other boys some views. Check out some merch. You want some Gimme the Sauce ah, comic and Kaiju merch? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> so while Austin is hurting himself, Fuck check me. out our merch tab. It is on TeePublic on the projectlouder.net website. 
check us out, man. Get, get yeah. you some Give Me the Sauce merch. Comics and Kaijus, we got you. I also picked something up, too, when oh, I was did? down there. You did. I did. What was it, bro? What was it? It put you this, up on the big screen, bro. Oh, oh, hell yeah. It's this vintage Leopardin mech from the Toei Spider-Man series from the 70s. Uh, it's all die cast. Uh, it's got some heft to it. So it's like all uh, metal? It's a full metal die cast? Yeah, the entire torso is metal. Um, I think the legs are plastic. The feet? No, the feet are plastic as well. Um, but the head... Yeah, still a die cast. That's badass. Yeah. Uh, they had two I am versions. wearing pants, wearing shorts. Got on shorts. <laughs> I have pants. I have decency. <laughs> I have decency. <laughs> I have decency. I don't. Um, I do not. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, they had this little guy sitting there with a bunch of other mechs. They came, there was like a, a toy series that they released a bunch of these little mechs from other, uh, TV. Yeah. From other TV shows. They had this one in a box still, uh, but it was like a hundred some bucks and I didn't have the cash for it at the time. So I got the one that was loose out of the box. Uh, I like it. It's a cool little piece to sit on the desk. Oh, geez, thanks, John. <laughs> thanks, John. John saying, oh, yeah, Cam with the winky face. Let's go. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, I also, not in yet. It'll be here in March. It'll be a surprise. I pre-ordered the new X Plus 1956 Rodan 30-centimeter figure. Oh, shit. Cost me a pretty penny, but. You pretty pee. I've wanted to get another X Plus figure. I have the 1989 Goji uh, from Godzilla vs. Biollante. That's also 30 centimeter by X Plus. Um, and I, I saw this Rodan. It's my favorite version of Rodan. And I was like, I have to pick oh, yeah, this up. Dude. I have to pick this up. Um, I'm glad I bit the bullet on it and got it. Uh, now we just got to wait. Hey, your inspiration for that, biting the bullet, pushed me to do what I wanted. I actually pre-ordered oh, yeah. the figure as well. I pre-ordered the brand new Mandalorian Season 2 Boba Fett hot toy from Sideshow. I am so fucking excited for that. I've been wanting to start that hot toys hobby for a hot minute, but I have yet to find the one, the one that was perfect. The one that I wanted, the one, like, you know, the one. And I waited, I looked, I looked, and then they announced it. And it was beautiful. And of course, I had to go and get the deluxe. I'm not going to go no, and buy no, my you first. Did get the deluxe. Yeah, also found yeah, out the deluxe. No, okay, so yeah. Austin was hitting us up. And I was like, bro, bro, stop, stop trying to get me to convince you to get the deluxe. You know you're getting the deluxe. You know you're going with the one that's got the two figures. Stop yeah. kidding. I didn't yourself. know it had two. I <laughs> thought it was going to be just one figure that you interchange pieces with. And then they come out and they're like, oh, yeah, no, you're getting two whole figures for like, you know, half the cost. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to. Absolutely. Those also, dudes. TJ giving us some high praise. This podcast is deluxe. Thank you, boss. You're proud, bro. <laughs> we got you. Grab those Dune figs while supplies last. Yes. Um, yeah. Symbio Collectibles did have a bunch of vintage uh, Dune figures. Um, he's talking I'm about not a, the new ones that have just come out. Oh. They're, 
Yeah, Dune has started releasing figures. I saw them at Target earlier today when I got my oh, shit, like, little really? haul of shit that I showed you guys earlier. Yeah, Dune figures are at Target right now. You can go oh. and get them. They're in the NECA section. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a Dune guy. I saw that Symbiote Collectibles a while back, uh, I think two weeks ago, they uh, they had a bunch of vintage Dune figures from the original movie. Um, still in the box and everything. They looked Ooh. Um, but sadly, I'm not a Dune guy. So, well, hey, look, there's, there's I, a I'll go everyone. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, Cara Dune, Cara oh, Dune, yeah, 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 yeah. No, get that shit while you can, homie, because that stuff's about to be like worth some yeah. cash for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Lego figures. And I think there's only F- one Legos, Funkos, Black Series, all that. Think, get them while I you can. I can see the Lego one being like big bucks because there's only one Lego set that I know of. Well, same thing with the Black Series. The Black mm-hmm. Series is because those actually hold their value. Like that oh, Boba yeah, you, I have, that's the Black box? Series. Yeah, I have Kylo sitting on the uh, here by my desk. He's a Black Series. These things hold their value pretty heavy, especially mm-hmm. if you keep them boxed. But like you got to find the right ones because there's some of them, like especially the anniversary uh, figurines, they'll go for a pretty penny, man. Like, honest to goodness, they'll go for high dollar. So if you can find a Cara Dune still in the box, I'd probably hang on to it. Yeah. Us who buys all our collectibles and then poses them everywhere instead of. Yeah. Yeah. Value. yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, looking up like. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see those figures skyrocketing. Yeah, they um, are. And. Lego Legos always had, you know, they're always very expensive. Yo, TJ, um, if you got a shit ton of those Black Series, you getting that Black Series Jar Jar, my guy. <laughs> they announced Black Series. They, they announced no, Black they Series Jar Yes, they did. Oh, Black bro. Series Jar Jar Binks. Hell yeah. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm looking at that Black Series Darksaber that's coming out. And with oh, me dude. and with me thinking about and with me thinking about getting a full blown Mando cosplay going on, bro. Not to make me act up. <laughs> if I had the dark saber to complete that. Oh, you script, saw one out wild? No, you didn't. Where at Target? I didn't think they were out yet. Are they out? I didn't think they were out yet already. Yeah, I thought the dark sabers weren't out yet. Or is he talking? No, I know. I think he's talking about the Cara Dune. Oh, because uh, I know that they have. There's another dark saber toy that's out already, but it's not like a high quality thing. Yeah, like, yeah. this is like this is like quality collector's piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so I oh shit, the Black Series Jar Jars are out. Oh, oh shit, are they? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're available at Target, GameStop, and all other sorts of shit. Also, by the way, yo, I honestly dead ass did not know that GameStop actually like low key. Has a lot of shit there. Oh, dude, the Did, game yeah. stuff. The game so, stuff where I live is just full of merch. Like, there's hardly any. Yeah. Games, mostly merch. <laughs> I was great. not aware they had so much stuff. <laughs> I was super surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they have my GameStop. They have quite a few Black Series stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of I and a lot too. of the really expensive Black Series stuff is up on the top shelf. Um, mm-hmm. All the bigger stuff, it's up like all up on those rafters where like all the super collectible stuff used to be. Yeah, I kind of wish yeah. though that they would have more like NECA and stuff like that. They're they had a, quite a few for a while and then they pff, disappeared. Um, but hey, if you can't find them at GameStop, you can always find them at Symbiote. You can. That's you can. true. I'm that telling you, Symb- discount. Symbiote UK discount. There you go. Yes. Symbiote collectibles. They have 
a lot of Star Wars figures. Um, I really need really, you to go back and shop for me again because that's they just... had they had a really cool Darth Maul figure. It was probably about eh, about that big, and he's holding the the his lightsaber like that. And if you turn his body, the lightsabers would light up. I'm like, oh, that'll be cool. I'll get that next time. It was only twenty five bucks. It was only twenty five bucks. You didn't. Oh, twenty five dollars. You didn't. Have it. <laughs> I didn't have the money at the time. I don't give a fuck if you didn't have the money. I'll send you the. I'd wire it to you right there. I would wire double um, right there. <laughs> yeah, but they have they have a lot of modern, they have a lot of prequel, and then they have a lot of original vintage stuff. Um, they also are really big with Magic the Gathering and Pokemon. Yeah, um, they have a nice little rack of foreign. Darth Maul is the best. He's the best. Darth I gotta Maul agree. I gotta agree. Out of the prequel Sith, Darth Maul's my boy. Yeah, Darth like Maul's look, Dooku is a badass. Dooku is a badass, and I can have that argument all day that he is. But Maul. Getting chopped in half, homie I'm still saying. survives. Guys, I have seen Darth Maul through an all new light. So my favorite Star Wars book is Maul Lockdown, where yes. he's at that super prison. Yes, oh it's pretty much like a gladiatorium where he has yes. to fight to survive. It was such you know what's bullshit book. is that's not canon anymore. Because Disney took over, that's in Disney Legends, that's not canon anymore. Fuck you, Disney. It's in my head canon, <laughs> fuck them. I'm Bingo, um, baby. <laughs> Bingo. We keep that shit I'm canon saying, in here. It's all better. I'm just saying. That man in that showed so much depth in how much he knew about combat, about manipulation. Yep. All without the force. Just, just normal base skills. He took yep. down fighter after fighter after fighter, no matter how outmatched he was, without even using the force. I mean, I'm pretty sure in that one fight, he held his breath for what, like 14 minutes? I think so. Like he was able was like to control his minutes. breathing to the point of where like he was he was sitting underwater for minutes yeah. at a time. Yeah, that's what I'm he saying. He just had no trouble with it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'd love to keep diving down this one. Oh, actually, <laughs> double King Gaijin, you got anything to add or <laughs> well, I I was gonna go on a little adventure today. I was gonna go down to New New Jersey to Tinkerby Toys. Um they have a lot of older toys and I saw they had a bunch of Godzilla stuff and I was like, hmm, don't mind if I do. Um, literally 10 minutes onto the turnpike, I hit something. I have no idea what it was. It was like some clear thing. So I didn't see it till like the last minute. Um, and it blew my tire. And I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? So I went to go change the tire and I find out that my spare tire is completely flat. (laughs) I didn't know. So what happened was I was in an accident, I think last year, sometime last year. And the guy rear-ended me and it must have oh i remember that yeah it must have misaligned oh. like it pushed the tire the, the the spare tire and it lost pressure that can so, happen i'm like are you kidding so i had to call AAA, and then i had to call the turnpike people and it was a pain of freaking ass man i i didn't go <laughs> so i am empty-handed for the weekend oh man <laughs> tj, TJ that's true his rear end true that's true kind of thick Anyway, double can giant Kai Jin with a double chin dump truck. <laughs> double chin dump truck. Anyway, <laughs> into the comic segment of our episode. Today, we are giving you guys some more Tales from the Crypt, hitting it up with the sequel, Volume 2. Last time we hit it with a Volume 1, Austin wasn't there, unfortunately, but now he's here to see the glory that I love personally as Tales from the Crypt. It was written by Donald McGregor, art by Steve Mannion. 
in my opinion, he did a great job. Uh, the double chin Kaijin himself has some disagreements with some of the art style that was provided. The publisher was paper cuts, 98 pages long. It's a, it's a nice little quick read. You know, you're sitting on the bus or, you know, you're just waiting. Maybe you're going on a flight and you're just waiting in the room. You know, you're just sitting there with nothing to do. Read this little 98 page, give you a couple hours. I read it, it while my pizza was coming. So Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's just a little small time filler and it was enjoyable at that. It was released December 26th, 2007. And let me tell you, I enjoyed the absolute fuck out of this. So Tales from the Crypt for me, as you guys all know, is a very nostalgic thing. I grew up watching Bordello of Blood and Demon Knight. And it really got me into the Tales from the Crypt. At a young age, I had read like one or two random Tales from the Crypt comics. I had never really got deep into the Tales from the Crypt comics. I love the TV show. I have the entire collection sitting in my living room. I watch it late night whenever I'm trying to go to bed. Just watch a few episodes and go straight to bed. You know what I mean? It is a great series, in my opinion. And today we got four kind of hit or miss stories. It really just depends on how you look at them. And for the first one, we got the A Murdering Idol. Take it away. Yeah, so the plot of this one is there's a bummy looking dude. And his dream is to become a superstar, a rock star. Um, and I believe it's his, that's his girlfriend, right? Um, that lives with him. Yes. yes. Yeah. His girlfriend basically shits on him. He's a bum. He doesn't have a job. Um, he acts like he's hot shit. Uh, and he goes, I, at one point he says, I'd kick her out if it wasn't for the fact that she's paying the rent. And I'm like, wow, this guy is really a shithead. Um, he's kind of a dick and he's late to the auditions for, it's basically like American Idol. Mm-hmm. He's late for the auditions and he shows up and they say, Oh, auditions are closed for today. Come back tomorrow. And he walking back home and he stumbles across a book that he finds on the ground, just randomly it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a demonic, it's weird. They they say that the way I read it, it seemed like it was in a different language. And then as he was looking at it, it changed to English. Mm-hmm. That, that's how they described it. It was in a language that he didn't know, but the magic. And then suddenly, then suddenly he could understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he brings it home and it tells him how it can make all of his dreams come true. But all you need is a sacrifice. And he doesn't want to kill anyone at this point. <laughs> so he sets a mouse trap up in the the sacrifice circle and boom mouse gets killed demon comes up and it's a little itty bitty demon uh and he goes i want to win i want to win uh the the idol i want to become the superstar i want to win and the demon goes well can't do that not enough not a not a big great enough sacrifice and he goes, well, can you at least guarantee me to go into the audition? He's like, all right, I can do that. Boom. He uh, doesn't do too hot. Um, there's they a character. As, they portray him as really rough. Yeah, they, yeah. He's kind of a sleazeball. <laughs> he's, a, he's a daggum sleazeball. <laughs> he's a sleazeball, you know? <laughs> Uh, He's channeling Nick Adams so hard. <laughs> he really fucking is. Isn't he a baby? 
It's like, yeah, you got to go. <laughs> and there's a guy. It, what's his name? Slime and Bowel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Slime, slime and, and Bowel. Slime, slime very, and Bowel. A very obvious wordplay on Simon Cowell. And this whole thing is a very obvious wordplay to the early days for American Idol. All of the names are very close relation to the original judges. Mm-hmm. And it was a good the, one. It was, it, was, a, it was a nice little punch, a little hit on the nose. They take Simon. Hit. There's a lot take, of on the nose shit in this. Yeah, they take Simon <laughs> Cowell's like serious attitude, and they like bump it up to a hundred. Oh, and dude, he's a total he's so dick. He's, he's so such ruthless. a dick. <laughs> uh, and I love it. I love how how like ruthless he is. Like judging him, he's like I've. I've heard garbage compactors with better music than this. And I'm like, what the fuck? Dude, I mean, Damn, he's homie. not holding back on this guy. He's going heavy. No, 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 no. Um, so he, they're like, uh, I guess we can give you a shot. And he goes back home and I believe he sacrifices. Oh, he accidentally sacrifices his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Because accidentally. Lazy. I mean, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, if Austin don't accidentally sacrifice his girlfriend for our popularity, I'm sorry. She is watching. She is watching. (laughs) Oh, is she? She she is watching. So, no part in it. That's not going to happen. It was a joke. (laughs) For legal reasons, this was a joke. For legal reasons, it was a shitty joke. It was a shitty joke. But, please don't let your girlfriend beat me up. Comes home. (laughs) comes home sees his girlfriend cleaning the uh sacrifice circle on the ground and he gets pissed and he pushes her she slips on the soapy water breaks her neck and dies right there on the circle and then boom a demon shows up and he's like did you like want me to like bring her back he's like uh no no No." (laughs) so he just kind of rolls with it and he, he goes can i win the idol and he's like Nah, can't do that. Not a good enough sacrifice. It's like, okay. Uh, and then he, he's like, can I at least, what does he say? I want to win the. He said at this point, he just wants to get accepted into the competition. Yeah, he, wanted to... yeah, he wants to get accepted. Yeah, he, he wants to get accepted, mm-hmm. which he does. He does get accepted. And still Simon Bowell being a total twat. <laughs> he doesn't understand why this guy is doing so well. Um so I think they're going to the finals, right? Yeah, finals. Yeah, finals. And it's down and to a duet. It's a duet, and he has this partner they just work with, and he's like, mm, this guy's going to jack up my style. He's like, I'm going to kill him. He'll be a good sacrifice. And so the demon, he goes, I want to win the idol. Can't do that. What the fuck? <laughs> so he's like, I, can I at least win the uh uh, make it to the finals at this point can i make, make it, it to the, the finals. finals i want to make it to the finals he's like, okay um he makes it to the finals and then he wants yeah i think at this point he has to win this and if he doesn't well, no, he gets to the finals and then he has to do like a duet mm-hmm. he has to do the duet with that other guy in yeah, order to Oh no, that's yeah. past that. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, yeah. Thinking, yeah. I got the he, he time swapped him. up. No, you're good. He kills him, and then that's how he's wanting to progress is by killing him and just going up ahead. Okay, yeah, no, I, I had that mixed up. That's my bad. You good? I think yeah. Now he's got to do the finals, and then the he demon, wins. The demon, the demon says, 
that you need the sacrifice of all sacrifices. And he goes, well, I'm going to kill Simon Bowell because he's been pissing me off. He's a douche. He's a douche and he's jacking my style. He goes to kill him. Finds out that he's a demon. He's like, well, how the hell do you think I got to this power? I got to this, like, got, got such fame and power. It's because I'm a demon, stupid. Um, he's like, you win. You win the idol. But you're going to be playing down in hell where we're tor- where we're going to torture you for all of eternity. Mm-hmm. And then it, oh. it ends. It ends with him screaming. See, it's a good end. And, and this is the type of irony that you're going to find prevalent all throughout these uh, Tales from the Crypt, of course. The person either gets what they're bark like gets what they asked for in a fucked up way or what they did becomes their undoing kind of yep. like this he he kept sacrificing people to try and get further and further and further in the end he tries to sacrifice slime and bowel of course finds out he's a demon uno reverse cards his ass kills him sends him down yep. to hell kind of gloats on his ass this is the type of stuff that you are going to find with tales from the crypt it's very enjoyable it's nice to be like yeah, that, that seems like what he deserves type thing. So we get a nice little interde- or, uh, interjection for the Crypt Keeper and the Old Witch makes a nice appearance in this one, which, by the way, she used to have her own streamline going on, but it got canceled, shut down. Tales from the Crypt was a little more popular, so they made her a side character on this. So I'm going to go ahead and toss this one to Austin. The story is called Crystal Clear. Crystal Clear was interesting. It, uh, we start off on like a cold open of basically a corpse. Mm. It's like, well, not a corpse yet. Dude, this, this person is just straight up beat to shit. And we get introduced to, to Stoney. Stoney is our scumbag. He is this dude with this weird implant in his eye that's like a video feed slash audio feed going to this other guy's phone, which is mm. his buddy uh curly Curly, yeah i'm kind of like looking at the comic as i'm going to try to make sure make sure i get names correct yeah yeah so essentially their whole shtick is like he films it he does he does it he catches the film of it and they have this like illustrious drug biz where they're pretty much just like you know hey we're manipulating everyone we're controlling everything and they pretty much have like this death grip over the town and stoney ended up uh going to a funeral of one of their old associates. And there he met uh, Nancy Lee, which is, I believe, a old... uh, I think, wasn't that the guy's... That was his brother? Yeah, the the dead guy. That's uh, that's That's his 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 brother. No, that's that's his his sister. That's his sister. Okay, that's Stoney's sister? No, no, no. No, no, no. Okay, no, I was about to say, I know I didn't read that wrong, because that's getting into, like, real... It's it's the dead guy. That's some original trilogy Star Wars shit going on there. (laughs) So, what essentially ends up happening is, though, he goes to the funeral and all that, and, like, you know, the sister starts to, you know, he starts kind of, like, swooning in for, like, the, you know, I'm in distress because my brother died. You know, he's trying to basically just be the nice guy and swoon in and get it in essentially and his whole plan is to have it like basically recorded and wired back to curly which is pretty messed up especially with all things considered one it's already a scummy act of itself two it's even worse that he's 
doing it at that time. It's just it's it's just real scummy. It really shows you the the guy is kind of a douche. If don't you didn't figure that out. Top, but don't forget the cherry on top of live streaming it. Yeah. Live streaming it is what really makes it like a, a crummy act. And so basically we go through a couple panels of him going through the uh, the motions of wounding her and playing the sympathy card and how much he you know appreciates her and how how strong she is and all this other beeswax. And they finally get back to his place and he has like a, a nice little farmhouse kind of thing where it's a nice house. He has nice cars. He has a nice, you know, nice land, all this other stuff. And he's, they basically get to start doing the business. And then suddenly his little thing goes out and then he suddenly wakes up lying flat on his back, laying in bed, fully paralyzed. Like, Homeboy is straight up paralyzed from the like head down. He can't move a muscle. He can't do anything. Well, this girl knows who this guy is. She knows he's n- she's not dumb. She thinks that he's she put on this persona of being this helpless, you know, grief stricken woman. Instead, it comes out being like, yeah, no, I knew who you were this whole time, chief. I knew exactly what you were doing. And she had this this poison syringe. It's a, a sedative that puts the body in full paralysis and just hits him while he's asleep. And it gives him another dose when he wakes up. So he's fully out of it at this point. She ends up basically telling him the shtick of it. And the whole time our Stoney is sitting here begging like, Hey, like, look, like, you know, let's work it out. Let's, let's, let's fix this. Everything's all right. You know, I'm not a bad guy here. Like let's fix the problem. And, you know, she doesn't want to hear any of it because she she knows the kind of person the guy is manipulative. He gets what he gets his way. He he's they know he's manipulating the town. So she knows he's just lying. <clears throat> so she ends up dragging him outside. She has a this woman straight up had this thing planned down to a T man has a flatbed truck with a open casket waiting for him outside. She drags him out tosses him into the into the empty casket and then slams it hits the gas she starts driving out and now homeboy here is trying to like contact his buddy with through his eye like trying to like be like hey you know what's you know i need help i need help i need help and he can't see anything he has no idea where he's going so he can sit there and talk to him but he doesn't know where he's at he has no clue where to go to help him he has no clue about anything and he's starting to realize how pretty much screwed he is he is on a whole new level of screw. She pretty much stops, cracks the casket and starts telling him, you know, like, hey, you know, everyone knows the you've been manipulating the town. You've been ruining people's lives. You have just been nothing but a cancer on this town that has been just eating it from the inside out. And your reign of terror is essentially done. And because of your BS, my brother has died. And now he's getting his revenge from the grave. And she I believe that's like either like a mud pit or like a swamp or something. Yeah, she it's pulls like, it's like up a swamp too. Yeah, yeah. It's a swamp. And she straight up just tells him, you know, <clears throat> deuces, pushes him off, casket open into the water. So he can't swim. He can't move. He can't do anything. He slowly starts to sink in this bog. You just see his body just start to sink because he still has that paralysis serum in him. And homie just starts going down, going down, and all his buddy can do is watch. 
Mm-hmm. And like the last thing we see is his eye, like the eye that has the camera in it, show a little bit of footage of what's left. And they real in the last scene shows like a swing of where they all grew up together. And his last sight was that. And the last sight Curly saw was that swing. And then he just feed cuts. Our boy's dead. And that is the ultimate irony for this guy is that he thought he was untouchable and controlled everyone thought that he had everything, but then he got a taste of his own medicine of being helpless, Mm -hmm. of being unable to fight back, of of being completely powerless in the situation where he usually would, you know, be the tough guy and have control of everything. But instead he had nothing at the end of it all. His hubris got the better of him and stony bites the dust in the bog. And it was a, it's a good little revenge story. Good little ironic revenge. Uh, Cameron wasn't really a big fan of this one. Cameron, you want to give some uh, feedback on why? Um, I don't. I just felt it was slow. It was quite slow for me. Um, that and also, I I like a lot of the supernatural stuff that comes with Tales of the Crypt, and this one felt more that, grounded. That was more. This was more grounded. Which I mean, That's for fair. some people, for some people might really like it. For me, it just mm. didn't catch me. Well, it was uh, fair. It's, it was it was grounded for the most part, and especially in comparison to the to the one you reviewed, it was way more in the supernatural oh, realm yeah. comparison. Hmm. So I'm going to yeah. go ahead and take up the next one. Uh, you get a nice, you know, classic Tales from the Crypt interjection uh, with the people making their ghoulish puns. You know, just, just the normal stuff that you get. And taking up the next story is one called Slabbed. So it opens up to this little kid crying and reaching for a comic book that says Just Us League. Obvious, you know, play on words for Justice League. Like I said, the Tales from the Crypt makes a lot of pokes to pop culture in general. This one takes a lot of pokes to DC. This one and what happens later on in the comic itself, which I'll I'll talk about later. But this kid is reaching up for the Just Us League uh, comic, and his older stepbrother is like, no, this is mine. I'm being a dick. I'm taking this. And the kid's like, well, that's the only thing I have left from my dad. You know, his dad gave it to him, and he gave it to me. And he was like, well, seems like your grandpa and your dad are both dead. And my dad married your mom, which means you should give it to me. And we don't get why this guy's being a dick at first. You know, he's just being fucking just a shithead to his little stepbrother. Goes outside and there's this ripped dude out there smoking a cigarette, playing with a knife. He's got tails from the crypt tattoo on his arm. And he's basically saying like, hey, where's my money? And you see the stepbrother just kind of cower in fear. Like you can tell that he was only being a dick because he's being like, pinched hard by this bigger fish basically and he's like man i'm just i'm gonna go sell this comic book it's gonna give me a lot of good cash i'm gonna come back with the cash you're gonna leave us alone and they never really allude why he owes this guy money probably just bullshit you know protection fees or some bullshit so he goes down like (laughs) it might be drugs although i mean this kid's kind of (laughs) young this kid's kind of young so i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt on this one okay so the hardcore drugs, the kid goes all the way across town to this collectible shop where he was talking to the owner there. And the owner was saying that he can get him a really good price up to $200 potentially. So he goes in there and he just sees just mountains of comics, like shelves stocked with comic books. Right. And the owner of the store is talking and he's like, yeah, I just, I really enjoy collecting heroes. They're great. 
Uh, I have so many comics. I can't wait to you know see how well yours is and stuff like that. And he's like, and this one is my pride and joy. And he goes to this one that's got this super high tech security on it. It's got this huge like glass cylinder that drops on it. And you can only open it with his thumbprint. And it's pure evil issue number one. Barely read, barely touched, like mint condition. You know this thing's worth a lot. And issue one barely touched in a protected safe like that. Yeah. So the kid's like, oh, you know, that's cool. I don't really care. How much can you get me for this? And the dude looks at it, kind of flips through it and goes, there's a lot of there's a lot of wear in this. It's been read a lot. You can tell uh, the color's kind of dulling. The energy is getting lost in it. He's like, I can give you five bucks. And the kid's like, five bucks? That's, that's not going to work. I owe this guy 200, potentially. Like, I owe him a lot of money. He's going he's gonna to kick my ass type shit. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to fucking kill this guy. So he grabs like the nearest thing, which I'm pretty sure is a crowbar. Right? It was a crowbar. It was, I don't know where he gets the crowbar. Yeah, I don't know where he gets it, but he got we it. We don't know where he gets it in the comic book store, but he gets a fucking crowbar. And he fucking swings at this guy and goes, you know what? I'll just take it while you're dead. None of your family's going to miss you. I'm going to take this comic. Your family can have the rest of what's in this store so they can sell it and live well. They probably didn't like you anyway. I'm going to take this comic as my payment type shit. Like this guy's a little rat. fucked up. He's a little fucked up bitch. He's a little rat. So he opens up the case using the guy's thumbprint, takes the pure evil issue number one. He's flipping through. He's like, yeah, this, this is giving me a lot of cash. And he goes to leave. And when he turns to leave, the bookshelves have changed. It's blocking what he thought was the exit. He's like, I thought this was the exit. But it's all these comic books. And all of them are themed to evil not winning and stopping the murderer. And he's like, what's going on? You think you can guilt me? Like you think you can guilt me into thinking that I should that I that what I did was wrong? He's like, you're not winning. And he turns, he starts going through this maze, and the comics just keep changing, like 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 a never-ending maze. You know, it just keeps changing on him. And it even shows that like the comic book characters on the cover, instead of looking off to the side or doing their own thing, they're looking straight at him the whole time. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And then you hear the the store owner going, I used to collect heroes, but now I'm thinking I'm going to collect villains as he puts the kid into the comic book itself and puts him as the cover and goes, yeah, I think you're going to start my collection of villains and puts him up in that collection safe, closes that glass cylinder as you just get one final look at the collection store with a bump on his head and his like deteriorated eye. I thought it was really interesting. Like it was mm-hmm. such a good concept. I got collector vibes. Like the collector in Marvel, I got I got vibes from him. All right. You want to know what vibes I got and you're probably going to hate me for it. Say it, bro. A Beetleborg vibes. I thought you were going to say Common Rider. I'm not going to lie no. because because Common Rider throws the card and they get on the card or whatever. I was thinking Common Rider at first, but then I was like, but he doesn't really do like comic thing. I was like it's kind of like oh, Beetleborgs yeah, like Beetleborg with like the comics. And yeah, yeah. And they yeah, get sucked into the comic. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I enjoyed our crossover uh, episode for that one. Uh, Beetleborg is <laughs> not my thing. What's <laughs> yeah, wrong, Cameron? Oh. So, <laughs> Cameron's just... You better shut the <laughs> I'll kill you Cameron, all. Cameron, what do you, think about, what do you think about the slab story? Um... Um, he's shaking. He's very uh, scared. Uh, <laughs> uh, I liked it. I liked it. 
Um, I like how I liked it. I liked it, bitch. All right. Um, give me one second. I wanted to go to a certain page. Pull it up, man. While you're looking for that page, awesome. Give us a little quick rating on what you thought of this story itself. This story was pretty cool. Now, now, now mind you, we're going to do the final rating at the end of all these stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. This story individually, uh, it was cool. It was a cool little story. I thought it it felt very com. It felt very comic bookish. Like I felt like if they tried to put that onto like live screen or anything like that, I don't feel like it would mesh as well as the other stories would. It felt like a good comic driven story. I mean, that's understandable. Like I, I enjoy these. I enjoy what I've seen from the Tales from the Crypt show. I don't really see this one translating well because of the special effects that they had available for Tales from the Crypt, the TV show. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like it's better that this was on print instead of. But it just it felt like movie. a comic book style story. You know what I mean? It like did. it felt very comic bookish. So to me, it made it even better. So absolutely, I, I liked it. It was fun. It was a fun little read. That was probably one of my other favorites out of this. Like I, I liked the first two. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the first three, I, I wasn't a fan of the last one. The other, oh, excuse me. The other three, I, I really enjoyed. I liked all of them. Cameron, did you find that page you're looking for, bro? Yeah, I did. You jerk. I like, find it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like how, when the kid is running through the maze of comic books, mm-hmm. it, all the people on the cover look like they're staring at him in disgust. Oh, yeah, that's what yeah. I was saying. Like, all of them, instead of, like, looking I love that. and doing their own thing, they were, like, looking straight at him, you know? I love that. I also like how all the titles are referencing, like you said, you know, defeating the bad guy. And, like, mm-hmm. this kid, he's now the bad guy. Um, I love the art style in this, too. Um, it's clean. It's pretty detailed. I love the the, the, the comic store owner. Mm-hmm. I like the way he looks really creepy um and i like the way the kid is now eternally trapped in a comic book Mm -hmm. forever uh i thought this was a very very good story overall i i think it was pretty cool uh there were a lot of plot holes like this kid really wasn't all that horrible at first i mean yes he stole his stepbrother's comic who he got from his son or from his dad but I don't really feel like he crossed over to being like an ultra bad guy until he decided to kill the store owner. And that's when everything flipped on. Him. And I liked that. I, I thought it was a really good pace for it. Like it wasn't really alluding to the fact that he was going to die or get, you know, captured like that until he attacked the store owner. So on to the last story, we have the garden, which Austin didn't really like. I'm not sure what Cameron really thought of it, but um, I enjoyed the garden. I so for me I it was like it was I was kind of hooked into the sense of oh yeah you know like we got some pretty decent like pretty standard supernatural story mm-hmm. uh you don't really have any explanation for what's happening but that ending don't spoil it let me let me get into this so in the garden it opens up to a man showing up to this very well maintained manor and it has this beautiful gate that is uh noted as completely like perfect nothing wrong with it perfectly oiled doesn't creak when you open it it's it's just so great yo tales look at project louder real quick tales from the crypt versus creep show creep show creep show tales from the crypt 
Got to support the oh, boy. Okay, I'll fight. I'll, I'll fight you for it. The boy. Got to support the boy. I'll, I'll, I'll fight you for it. I'll fight you for it. I'm just saying. I'm gonna fight you for it with me millions of dollars. Let's go. So he gets into this. Uh, he gets past the gate, and there's these beautiful trees, and he takes like one of the fruits out of the trees and bites into it. And he says it's one of the most great things he's ever he's ever tasted in his whole life. And you know, you're getting some narration from him talking about how, or no, I think it's from the crypt keeper. I think the crypt keeper is actually personally narrating this one, and it's describing how you know this is exactly what he wanted. And he goes inside, and the, there's three maids all dressed kind of skimpy maid-like. And they're just taking care of him, doing everything he says. They're like, oh, can I pour you a glass of wine? Let me massage your feet. You had a long trip. Let me rub your shoulders. I guess I can't massage your feet because she's already doing it. You know, they're just they're just going at him, just doing everything he wants. And he's like, dude, this is, this is paradise. And then he takes a drink of the wine, and he just spits it out, and there's maggots in the wine. And he looks over his feet and the chick is like digging screws into his feet. The other chick's attacking him too. He's like scrambling to get away from him. It's This was a really fast paced short story. So he's like scrambling to get away and he gets to the door that's supposed to lead out. And he's like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? He opens the door and do, there's, Lord. what do I do, Lord? <laughs> Kill the child. Corrupt them all. Corrupt them all. This is the plan, people. This These maids plan. are demons. <laughs> So, so he opens the door and there's just these shattered wine bottles and they're like, yeah, that's the only way out. You're just going to have to run through them. And he's just like, no <laughs> type thing. He's just so exasperated, but he's like, I got to get away from them. So he runs through and he gets outside and there's these gardeners just clipping at the hedges. And he's like, Hey, you got to help me. These, the maids, they're trying to go crazy. They're just, they're attacking me. You guys are supposed to listen to what I say. He's like, Oh no, that, that shouldn't be allowed. Or I forget what he says exactly, but he's like, Oh no, that's, that's not right. And he's like, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. He's like, they shouldn't be trying to go crazy. And he snaps the fucking the hedge clippers at him. And this whole time, it's it's kind of alluding to where he's really at. Because he he said he was promised this, that this was something that was supposed to be given to him in exchange for what he did. And it the whole show or the whole, sorry, the whole story, it's just, it kind of alludes to what what he did. At first, it makes you think that he's still alive. But as it goes on, you're like, oh, this dude's fucking dead. And at the very end, it shows that his end of the bargain was when he got onto the bus, he had a bomb vest and he blew up the entire bus. And everybody at this manor, at this paradise that he was promised with maids that took care of him, fruit that was the juiciest, most tasty thing you've ever had, beautiful manor that's your own home now. And instead, he's being attacked by the people that were on that bus. All the groundskeepers, all the maids, everybody's replaced by people that were on that bus. And he's stuck in his own version of hell where he's regenerating all the damage they're doing to him so that they can endlessly torture him. In my opinion, it was a good story. The art style, not so much. But it had a really good, it had a really good, you kind of get what you deserve theme to it, which like I said, is a very prevalent thing in Tales from the Crypt, which is why I enjoy it so much. Now, Double Chinkaijin, you have some things to say about the art and the story. Yeah, so um, the guy who illustrated this, I don't know the name right off the bat. Um, he did two stories in the last Tales from the Crypt uh, mm-hmm. comic. And like I said, in that one, I don't I personally don't like it. Um, 
but yet at the same time i don't believe there are any true bad art styles it's 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 a unique art style i'll give them that it's very blocky you know um and there's nothing wrong with that it's just not my cup of tea mm-hmm. uh, the story though is it's it's short it, like you <clears> said it's very short um and you have this build up and you're kind of always constantly wondering like where is he and why is all this happening? And then at the very end, it clicks and you're like, oh, he's a suicide bomber. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck. And I want to make sure. Th- didn't this release, what, 2002? 2007. 2007, okay. Um, it's like, oh, he's a suicide bomber. Lit. <laughs> <laughs> Lit. You get what we deserve, fuckface. That's what um, you get, homie. <laughs> Like this, this like it's always supposed to be horrific. I'm like, nah, no, fuck that guy. Nah, fuck that guy. He's, <laughs> He's a suicide story. bomber. Get out of here. Get <laughs> out of here. Um, and I think that that ending where you're like, it all clicks, and you're like, oh fuck. I think that works very well. Um, the art style clashes with it, but I think at the same time, it sort of works with it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe, but um, also. I, Real quick, Freddie siding with me on the Crypt Keeper. Thanks, bro. My, my cousin is a traitor. Your cousin is a traitor, man. I'm sorry. A traitor! I mean, it's not traitor! <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's not your fault. He's right. Okay. Let's just let's just put it's it not that. your fault. He's right. You're the one who gave fucking invasion fucking four wow. out of ten. Yep. You true. true. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Sorry, man. I don't know, man. Anyway, let's I'm get down to the final rating on this comic. We're going to rate this out of, let's say, 10 corpses for the ghoulish theme. Austin, what'd you give this, man? Out of, out of 10 corpses, this film was not... Freddy, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> for, our, for our audio listeners, Freddy said Creepshow sucks. <laughs> okay, dude. Um... I I didn't think it was bad. I think the stories were good. I, the, that last comic, I admit, the art style, I agree with camera, was not my personal cup of tea. As far as the story of it goes, the story was fine. The story felt good. It was a good source of revenge. It was a good source of that. You know, the, everything had a had a meaning behind it. Everything had a purpose. There was no wasted panel that didn't just fill endless void. Mm-hmm. All of it brought some sort of story and some sort of arcing, you know, meaning to the short stories it gave and then nice little explanation finish up with the witches at the end was always a nice little touch Uh, as far as like my first actual experience of tales from the crypt on paper i've seen the show plenty of times but this is my first experience with it on paper as far as my very first experience with this volume two i'm gonna have to give it i would say eight eight corpses Eight corpses. Eight out of ten. I can respect that. Double chin guy, Jen. What do you think, bro? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a mood. <laughs> that's I'm going to go with Freddy. I was going to say six out of ten. Um, there was only real one real like lackluster story, and that was the for me the uh, the eyeball yeah, life, the eyeball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but. I, I I think my favorite one out of all of them was the comic. 
the comic store one. That was the comic one was really good. That was the best one. The way I would rank it would be the comic store one. Um, then this, the, the very last one with the the suicide bomber, the garden and then murder idol. And then the, uh, the eyeball one. See, I'm going to have to say slabbed murder idol, then the garden, then the eyeball one. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't think I've ever seen an entire tales from the crypt episode before. Um, I'll have to give it a watch. You um, have to fix that. Yeah, watch we'll have to party number this. two. <laughs> I, it's, it's one of those things where I've kind of always been like, I wonder what that's like. I hear a lot about it. Um, so this is kind of like my first time. Well, second time. Second really. time for you. Second time getting into it with comic version. Um, and I'm kind of curious to see what differences are between. I'm comics. just letting you know, if you like B-movie, like cheesy slashers and stuff like that, you will enjoy the TV show version. The TV show version is a lot of, has a lot seen, of B-movie vibes. I, yeah. I remember seeing some, when I was younger, I remember seeing reviews and uh, clips of Tales from the Crypt mm-hmm. on YouTube. And it always was very bizarre to me because it was a lot of dark humor. And oh, it's super outlandish really, and it has a ton of dark humor. And I wasn't used to that at the time. And I was like, what's supposed to be funny about this? I'm not used to dark humor. Oh, yeah. I was a, I'm a little baby. Oh, I was, I was, a little baby. I was a little <laughs> shithead at the time. So so nothing's changed. Got it. No. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. Nothing has changed. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. So what was your rating out of 10, bro? Uh, six out of 10. Six out of 10. All right. So yeah. I'm looking at this one through nostalgia goggles. Uh, I will give you the six out of 10. That That's understandable. Uh, you know, you being wrong, like you claim I was with Astro Monster. But with, with, my, nostalgia, with my nostalgia towards this, I'm, I'm giving it a nine. I enjoy Tales from the Crypt. I always get pumped. I was looking forward to this episode three episodes back. Okay. I was hyped about reading another Tales from the Crypt and reviewing it. For all of our viewers, I, I loved our first Tales from the Crypt episode. I thought it was really nice getting to expose you to Tales from the Crypt as far as print goes. <laughs> TJ only seeing one set of goggles. That's right. Double chin guy Jim wearing them goggles. But uh, it was nice being able to expose both, you know, the double chin guy Jim and Austin to the Tales from the Crypt comic books, which, oh. which they are good. I enjoy them. They definitely have a super different vibe than what the movies and the TV show has. So take that with a grain of salt. I loved it. I'm giving it a nine out of ten. That's fair. I can, I can. I can. I can. I can respect as many nostalgia. times as me and Cameron have done these crazy fucking outlandish Godzilla films, and we've given them ridiculously high numbers. It's <laughs> only gonna get crazier from it's, here, brother. It's <laughs> only gonna get worse, brother. Yeah, brother. <laughs> Um, shall we give them the sneak peek of what we're doing next week? The sneak peek of next week, bro. We already gave them the sneak peek of what next week. Pacific Rim Uprising, G.I. Joe, did. Real American Hero, Volume 1, and special guest star, TJ Bowser, joining us. Yeah, buddy. The next episode. I'm pumped to get <laughs> the it. Audio you gonna should be like, you the audio listeners are going to be like, why is it thundering? <laughs> why is it thundering? <laughs> why they're a machine gun, though? <laughs> it ain't me anyway um be sure to join us next sunday on that episode and as always your comics and kaijus boys end this with a shot of tequila see ya earthlings let's go